This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival by the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. This program is also available as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iTunes or Spotify and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. So coming up on today's show, we're going to be catching up with Irish women Grace and Neve Kelly. The sisters have been signed by the West Coast Eagles for the 2020 AFLW season. That interview coming up shortly. We also catch up with Lauren Hodgson for the latest from the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and Matthew Cox will review Round 1A of the VFLW season, preview Round 1B and the fortunes for 11 of the 13 teams in the VFLW competition for this year, plus an invitational team in the GWS Giants. That's all coming up, but first, the latest women's footy news. Well, the big news comes out of the AFLW and the GWS Giants. Their Irish superstar, Cora Stortons, played two seasons in the AFLW. She decided to stick around in Australia for one more month before flying back home for Gaelic football commitments. Unfortunately, over the weekend, while playing for the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs, she broke her fibula and tibula in a match. It resulted in the game being abandoned. She was taken off to hospital in an ambulance. She had surgery on Monday and going by the information we've found on the internet. It looks like an injury of anywhere between three to six months. That would definitely rule it out of Gaelic football for 2019. And Barring the West, could be back around November this year, hopefully in time for pre-season, and hopefully we'll be running around again in the AFLW for the 2020 season. Our best wishes to Cora Stoughton. She was named in their VFLW squad, but naturally she will not be playing in the VFLW Invitational matches as she recovers from that uh, horrific injury. Also making news up in Queensland, there's been a rejig to the Winter Series. Last year it featured the Brisbane Lions Academy, the Gold Coast Suns Academy and the Giants split into two, being the North and South Academy. Now with the Giants playing in the VFLW Invitational matches, it's now a three-game series between the Gold Coast and Brisbane Academies uh, being spread across May, June and July. Gold Coast v Brisbane Saturday, May 25th at 4.45pm at Metricon Stadium. Game two between Gold Coast and Brisbane on Saturday, 23rd of June, 12pm at Great Barrier Reef Arena in Mackay. And game three between Brisbane and the Gold Coast, Saturday 13th of July, 2pm at the Gabba. Uh, The best of the best will be put together for Queensland in a representative match against Western Australia on Saturday the 20th of July at Optus Stadium in Perth. Turning our attention to the international scene, and there's been quite a few women coming down to Australia to try their hand at Aussie Rules and making the AFLW competition. We've reported on and interviewed Jess Blecker, who of course has signed with Collingwood. April Lewis has signed with the Essendon. Ashlyn Curling will make her debut in the next week or two with the Collingwood Football Club. Danny Marshall from the Arizona Hawks in the US AFL has come down and made her debut over the weekend with Aberfeldy in the Essendon District Football League. We can confirm that Irish woman Ashlyn Sheridan has made her way down to Darwin and will play for the NT Thunder in the VFLW competition alongside Ailish Considine. And another American has made their way down 
down to Australia being Sarah Rona from the Denver Lady Bulldogs. Experience in soccer, in rugby, and has played in a number of uh, championships for the Denver Lady Bulldogs at the US AFL Nationals. She'll be trying her hand over the next uh, month and a bit to hopefully make the AFLW competition in 2020. He's uh, speaking earlier in the week with ABC Television. I couldn't even describe how much it would mean to me. Um, you know, when I was a little girl, I wanted to play professional sports and I had played soccer at the time and I uh, wrote a report about it and my teacher laughed at me and said I had a better chance at winning the lottery. <laughs> and so just all these years with that little fire in my heart to be able to say you were wrong and I was able to do it, that's what it would mean to me, not necessarily the money that's involved with it or anything. <laughs> And joining us on the line now here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival Digital Radio, the latest signings for the West Coast Eagles that will be playing in their inaugural AFLW season 2020 or kicking off January, February next year. It's our pleasure to have on the line Irish sisters Grace and Neve Kelly. Ladies, how are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, we're very good. Thanks. Great to have you both on the line. And, and Grace, I'll start with you first. Um, how did it feel when you found out that you had been recruited to play Australian rules football over here in Australia professionally for the West Coast Eagles? It was a dream come true, to be honest. Um, it just happened so quickly in the end. Um, we got talking to a few clubs, actually, um, but definitely from the outset, Adam Selwood and Luke Dwyer, we talked to from West Coast Eagles, um, they their facilities, the people involved in the club, they just blew us away and we're just so delighted to be, to be we're just honoured so proud to be going over to Australia now. Neve, we'll step back in time for, for just a moment. Now you, you're both most famous for playing yeah. uh, Gaelic football over there in Ireland. Was Gaelic your only chosen sport or did you play a variety of sports growing up? Um, I suppose when we were growing up uh, I suppose we, were, we used to play Gaelic soccer, basketball but um, I suppose as we grew older, we had to choose because, you know, it took a lot of time and that. And I played with Ireland for a year as a soccer, but after that, we decided that, you know, we just loved the Gaelic. So we had to choose one and we chose the Gaelic. And yeah, it was something that we just, we loved and kept at it. And I suppose AFL is very, trans- it's the, the skills in Gaelic football are very translatable to AFL. So I think that they'll be very transferable to us and hopefully we get on well this year at West Coast Eagles. Now, Grace, maybe you can explain to our Australian audience about the pathways of growing up through Gaelic football. If we're to take an Australian football context of it, you play your juniors, your 10s, 12s, 14s, under 16s, etc. And if you happen to be good at a certain level, you'll then represent your local league against other competitions. So it's like region versus region. So ultimately, you get mm-hmm. to under 18s, the academy system, and then you go into the draft and obviously you become a, a senior footballer. How does it work in the Gaelic system? And when you're a little tacker first starting out in the game to getting to where you are at county level playing with Mayo? Yeah, so basically you start off, I think we started off when we were like six or seven years old. We started off in the school first of all and then with our local club, um, which is Boyd Abbott. And we played with them for under sixes, under eight, under ten. And then at under 12 level, um, there was a county, a county team. So there's county teams from under 12 all the way up to senior. Um, so we started in at under 12 and we played with Mayo the whole way up, uh, under 12, under 14, 16, 18. And then we got into the senior. Um, so 
that's that's how, that's the rank. That's how you get on um, over here. So we were 16, 16 when we were drafted into the senior team. So we've been playing with the senior team for about eight, nine years now. So um, well used to playing playing with the older girls. Now, Nate, because you're amateur at the moment playing Gaelic football, it's not a semi-professional sport. Can you give us an insight into the commitment that's needed during the week for training? How many times per week and how often do you train? Um, and also, what is the typical season fixture like? If we look here at Aussie rules, if we look at State League, for example, you might be looking at a 14-game season with two or three practice games and obviously two or three finals if you make it through. So you could have the possibility of playing 17, 18 games in a year. Uh, how often do you play and train in Gaelic football? Yeah, at the minute, we, we train about three times a week. We train um, three times a week and then we do the gym three times a week. So it's six times in the week that we're training. And it's a lot of commitments. We, I suppose we're working in Dublin, which is three hours from where we live. So there's a lot of traveling involved and I feel that, you know, when we go over to the West Coast Eagles, it'll be great because, um, you know, that, that'll be our work. We spend all of our time at that and there'll be less traveling as well. So we just can't wait to give it a right go. And um, I suppose in terms of uh, games throughout the year, we have a league first and that starts at the end of January and that leads usually to the end of May or the beginning of May. And we could have about six or seven games there. And then the championship starts then. So we have our Connacht finals. And that's like our province. And then we move on then to qualifiers and quarterfinals, semifinals and finals if we get that far. And that's how the, the championship runs. So it's similar enough. We probably don't get up to 17 or 18 games in the year, but it'll be, it'll be close to that. And we'd have a lot of challenge games throughout as well. And then we have our club football as well. So we'd have the league and championship for club football as well so the league is usually around the same time as the county and um, the championship games are fixed around our county games as well and Neve, uh, just back to you for a moment you're also the captain of the side as well at Mayo uh, how much additional responsibility comes with that role yeah definitely there's um, a lot more responsibility that comes with that role um, I suppose last year I would have been probably one of the younger players on the squad um, but this year, um, you know, I'm 23. Um, there's a lot more responsibility, but we have a great bunch there. And when you have a great bunch there, it makes it so easy, to be honest. Um, I love every minute of playing, and I wouldn't be in it if I didn't love it. So um, there's a lot of responsibility, a lot of organisation involved. But um, I think, you know, if you want something bad enough, you'll, you'll do anything. So um, I'm really enjoying it at the minute. And yeah, I'm really looking forward then to finishing off this year hopefully we do well and then coming out um, and being fit then coming out to West Coast Eagles in Perth. When did the uh, thought of uh, possibly playing Aussie rules football even at an amateur level let alone a semi-professional level first come onto your radar? Yeah so um, Jason Hill from um, Crosscoders um, he actually approached us um, not this year but the year before when the Crosscoders program just became um, prominent and um, he kind of approached us first and he got us kind of thinking about it. So um, we thought about it then. But actually last year wasn't the right time for us because I was finishing off a Masters and Neve was in college. So um, we started playing. There was a little league. In, there was a tournament in Ireland. So we played that game. We were playing with West Clare Waves and really enjoyed it. 
So we played a little bit in Ireland last year. Um, we always kind of we always had it in our in our sights to go over to Australia at some point. Then when we when we heard about cross coders, um, we we just weren't sure when. But um, then at Christmas, Jason got onto us again and he said, "Look, club, look, clubs are interested." So we decided we'd have a few video calls with them. Um, so we did before Christmas. And then when the trade and sign period came, um, Adam, Selwood and Luke wanted to talk to us again. Um, so we talked to them again and it was kind of, that's when it all hit off then. And what helped assist you to get signed by the West Coast Eagles? You said you were talking with cross-coders. Did you supply them all the clubs with, for example, a footage of you playing Gaelic football or let alone playing in that uh, sevens tournament in the AFL Island women's competition? Yeah, so last year when when Adam, or when Adam sorry when Jason approached us, um, he asked us would we apply for the cross-coders. So we had a little think about it and we were like, you know, definitely we'll do this. But we were both tied up with college and work and stuff. So we applied, we put in our, a, a few footage, a few clips of us playing and stuff and, um, you know, gave a little bit of information about each of us. And then, to be honest, we, we didn't expect to hear anything, you know, back so soon. And we couldn't go out to the camp last year that was on over in Australia. Um, but a few of the Irish girls went to. But, um, yeah, we were delighted then when we got in contact with Dave again this year and never, ever dreamt that we'd be going out Um you know, to such a great club like West Coast Eagles. And, you know, Adam and Luke were just brilliant and they just sold the club so well to us. And they're brilliant guys. And Neve, did you make any contact with some of your fellow cross-coders, even though you didn't take part in the camp, um, to gather what their experiences were of playing in Australia? Because obviously those in the cross-coders camp that got selected were Yvonne Bonner, uh, also Ashling McCarthy, and of course Ailish Considine, who had also played for the West Clare Waves. Yeah, that's right. And Grace actually went to college with, um, with Ailish. So uh, we were in contact a little bit with those girls um, they seem to really enjoy the experience. Uh, definitely Ailish, like she done very well, you know, going out and, and, and you know, winning the competition. That was just brilliant. So uh, we've been in contact a little, with, a little bit with those and, you know, it's really nice to follow their journey as well out there. You know, we've been following them. Um, so it was, it was excellent. And then we were chatting to another girl from Mayo that went out and she didn't go out through the cost coders, but Sarah Rowe, she was out with Collingwood last year in Melbourne, actually. And uh, she really enjoyed it. So we caught up with her a lot about it and um, asked her a lot of questions um, involved. So she really enjoyed it. So it was nice to chat to her about that. And, of course, this would make uh, you both the third and fourth women from Mayo to make it to the AFLW. You mentioned Sarah Rowe, who was the second, and the first, of course, being Cora Staunton. Yeah, exactly. Cora was the first, the first lady out there. Um, so it was really Cora that kind of set the whole thing off. Um you know, with the cross-coders coming the next year. And it was great great to see so many Irish going over. And I think there'll be, it's really exciting. I think there'll be more, more and more going over, even more coming over this year after the camp in Ireland. You mentioned earlier about how Adam Selwood uh, sold the club to you. What's some of the things that he outlined that appealed to you about the West Coast Eagles and wanting to play for them? Because we keep in mind, they're actually a brand new side coming into the AFLW. Yeah, our first phone call with Adam and Luke, you know, they just, they really sold the club. Uh, they're really professional and, you know, they were very, very good to us. They showed us an awful lot of support. So I think, you know, the people that you're involved with 
in football and in sport, it means an awful lot, you know, um, because we're coming from a different country and, you know, it takes that little bit of time to settle, I suppose. So they were very supportive. And I think from the outset, me and Grace were really drawn to, you know, their personalities as well and their professionalism and, um, you know, the way they talked about the club. Um, I know they've new facilities coming up now and we've, we've, we've seen a lot of images um, of their new facilities. So, we were really interested to, I suppose, train in a professional environment like that. And, um, yeah, we're just very excited. I think because it's a new club as well, um, we kind of liked that, like, everybody would be coming in new and we'd be kind of part of creating the culture. And that was one of the things that we were drawn to as well. And do they offer any assistance at all to, to obviously get you settled in Australia? For example, have they already started lining you up with either housemates or, or accommodation or something like that? So therefore, as soon as you jump off the plane, that's it. You've settled. You've got a base and you can essentially get to work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as part of the contract, they, they're going um, to offer um, some money towards accommodation and they'll help us um, to get accommodation. So it's going to be sorted. Uh, before we go out, so we're we're delighted with that. Now, obviously, Grace, you've signed the contracts uh, some uh, five to six months out from when the official AFLW preseason begins. So, so what's on your agenda now? Do you essentially put anything to do with the AFLW aside and and not consider it, and then uh, obviously focus on your Gaelic football now, and then come back to it in October when it comes to skills training preparation? Yeah, so we're gonna yeah we're gonna really focus on. Um, Mayo and Gaelic football now for the next few weeks, especially just coming up to our kind of final, which is in eight weeks' time. Um, and then after that, then we'll um, start doing little bits of AFL and really focus in on it um, in the summer when we have more time because we're actually teachers now. So we'll be finished up teaching at the end of June. So then we'll have time to play both um, in July, from July onwards. Yeah, so I suppose like our, our focus now at the minute would be on Mayo and then any time that we have in between because Sarah as well is one of our teammates here with Mayo so we'll be able to practice a little bit with her um, for AFL going out and then, yeah, putting our full focus in on AFL after, after Mayo was finished. Have you put in your own mind a, a consideration of how long you'd like to play um, in, the, in the AFL women's competition for? Because as I note reading online, you see the great balance between AFLW and Gaelic football, that the seasons complement each other. They don't overlap. Have you given it, yourself your consideration? Because obviously it's only semi-professional. You've got your careers to think about as well. Have you set a time frame? For example, a short time frame of two or three years or perhaps even further if you fall in love with Australia? Yeah, I suppose um, we'll see how it goes, Pete. Um, it's a great way it, it, it lines, I suppose, that we, we can play both. It allows us to play the Gaelic and the AFL. So, you know, that was something that really attracted myself and Grace, um, the way that we can go out in October and then come back in April and then play championship with, with Mayo. So I suppose it's something um, we'll think about then, I suppose, after this year. But, um, yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll give it a go and hopefully we'll... It'll go well, and hopefully we'll see for next year. And Grace, just to give the Eagles supporters a little bit of insight into what they're getting, can you describe yourself and Neve as as Gaelic footballers, and how do you think uh, that position and skill work will translate to Aussie rules? Yeah, so I think um, why Adam and Luke were kind of drawn to having the two of us is because we we play well together. Um, Neve is kind of a she's a half forward, which would be kind of like a winger in AFL and I'm a full forward, so I'd be in the full forward line. 
Um, so we link up well together and Neve would be kind of feeding me in the ball. Neve would have a lot of speed, a lot of power um, and she's good skills and I'd be kind of a good finisher and I'd have good acceleration as well and good under the high ball. So I think they were the they were the main main things that were transferable to AFL as well. And Neve, one last question before we let you go. We saw when Cora came out for her first year, there was obviously a documentary crew following her around and adding a little bit of media to promote the AFLW in Ireland. Will we see yourself doing a little bit of media work when you're out here? Because if I'm correct, you've actually done the match analyst role on several occasions uh, covering the GAA. Yeah, I've done a little bit, I suppose, over here in Ireland, yeah. Um, It's exciting. It's it's nice to be part of that. And you, you get to know a lot of players by doing that so um, yeah it'd be something I'd love to be doing when I'm out in Australia um, and love to hear more you know learn more about the game and about people out there so yeah I'd love to do something yeah well, Neve and Grace, thank you very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to seeing both of you in action once 2020 rolls around and the fourth season of the AFL Women's Competition. Thanks very much, Peter. Really looking forward to it. Thanks a million. Great to talk to you, Peter. We'll have more Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival Digital Radio coming up in just a moment. There's jumpers, hoodies and tees for you at leaguetees.com.au Leaguetees.com.au is your place for retro footy gear with designs created by local artists that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, their unique range of women's footy tees help raise funds for Indigenous literacy programs. Get online and start shopping today. Leaguetees.com.au This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel, Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Now, we have a couple of reporters missing in action this week. Ali Schiller cannot make it on the line because she's planning for her wedding, which is this Friday. Congratulations to you, Ali. And we hope it's a wonderful day for you and your partner. And also, Ant Wingard at AFL Queensland was a bit tied up this week. So we're going to be rushing through the results of these competitions for this week. So if we go to the Sandfield W, they played their final home and away season season round, round 10 where North Adelaide 9-11-65 defeated Sturt 2-5-17 Norwood 12-9-81 big winners over Central District 2-1-13 the reigning premiers for South Adelaide Panthers 6-7-43 defeated West Adelaide 4-3-27 and Glenelg 7-9-51 defeated Woodville West Torrens 5-2-32. 5-2-32. So week one of finals is this weekend and on Friday night, 10th of May, Cooper Stadium, 6.30pm, it's North Adelaide versus Glenelg and then the 8.15pm at Cooper Stadium is Norwood versus South Adelaide. That's finals week one of the Sample Women's Competition. Turning our attention to the QAFLW, round four played over the weekend. Big win for the Bluebirds over the Hornets. Cooling Gatta Tweed, 12-13-85, defeating absolute nose score. The reigning premiers, Wilson Grange, 5-5-35, went down to Yoronga South Brisbane, 8-2-50. Bond University, 10-16-76, defeated the UQ Red Lions, 5-2-32. And Maroochydore, 14-10-94, defeated Cooperoo, 5-6-36. Looking ahead to round five action, all games on Saturday, May 11th at 3pm. Bond University are playing host to Maroochydore, 4-45pm, calling Gatta Tweed versus Wilston Grange, 4.45pm at Giffen Park, Cooperoo versus Yoronga South Brisbane and at 4.45pm at UQ Oval 2 St Lucia, the UQ Red Lions taking on the Apsley Hornets. 
joining us on the line now to talk about the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. We've got on the line our regular Sydney reporter in Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Better than most, and we'll talk about that particular person uh, coming up in the final game. But let's start by looking at game one of round four. And uh, your old club, the Southern Power, 12-10-82, with a comfortable victory over the Newtown Breakaways, 1-5-11. Yeah, it was certainly a comfortable uh, win for the Power, a big one there. Um, obviously, Newtown Breakaways haven't... Uh, haven't had a good start to the season, Peter, and um, they're, they're just really struggling to get on the scoreboard at all. I mean, look, at least this week they did, and, and they managed to get a, a goal uh, in the third quarter. But, yeah, Newtown are certainly struggling this year. Um, but, look, Power, they've, uh, you know, won two from four, so they've uh, had a mixed start to the season. Um, but, yeah, this will do a lot for their confidence uh Going into it, um, Ree Lotter um, kicks two for the power and takes her up to, I think, uh, second on the, the uh, comp goal kickers list. So she's having a good season, as is Ash McClure, uh, who kicked three of her own as well. And uh, Laura Holdsworth, who uh, played her second game for the power um, on the weekend, um, she also had a goal and was amongst power's best uh, against her old side, Newtown. So, uh, yeah. Hopefully this uh, kicks up power for a, a bit of a run. In a low-scoring scrap, the Inner West Magpies, 4-3-27, defeated the UTS Bats, 2-5-17. Yeah, certainly was a low-scoring scrap, and uh, there wasn't a goal kicked um, after half-time. So, I mean, look, and, and very, extremely low-scoring. Um, but, look, it seems like it would have been a close contact and, and would have been an interesting match to watch despite the low scores. Uh Marshall for the the West Magpies did kick two of her own, and uh, the sole goal kicker for uh, UTS was uh, Gerrity, so and who was also named amongst their best. And uh, Leal Kassam was a, in the best for the Inner West Magpies, and um, I believe her and Melissa Freckleton have been named in the Giants VFL uh, W squad. So um, some good news there for a couple of Magpies. The East Coast Eagles three four twenty two went down to the Sydney Uni Bombers six eight forty four. Yeah, so this was certainly another test for the Eagles. Um, obviously, they came out on top against Mac Uni, uh, but look, it's still a relatively close game. I mean, look, yes, they did double their score, but forty four to twenty two is uh, nothing to sort of um, you know. Uh, it's it's not a big thing to worry about, but it certainly shows the Eagles um, what they're going to have to do to play against the. The top teams, um, you know, we've said it a few times already this season, uh, but Sydney Uni have definitely come out of the blocks uh, this year, unlike last year. Um, but again, for the East Coast Eagles, Riley McGartland, uh, she was one of their goal kickers, and I think she's now outright uh, leader for the Premier Women's goal kicking. So she's having a fantastic season coming up into Premier Women's footy uh, from the Wollongong Saints, um, D-list giant Renee Tompkins was amongst the best for the Eagles. But uh, for Sydney Uni, uh, Louise Stevenson kicked uh, two goals, um, McDonald kicked two, and uh, fellow giant Erin uh, McKinnon was with Louise Stevenson named amongst their best. So um, Sydney Uni are having a fantastic start to the season and um, really setting themselves up well um, for a probably a top two finish if they continue this form throughout the year. I know it's early days, but, um, yeah, having a blinder. And Macquarie University, 8-4-52, defeated the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 2-3-15 in a match-abandoned result. 
Yeah, look, it's not something. Um, well, look, I can't remember the last time this would have happened in in uh, AFL um, in Sydney women's competition, um, or even if it has happened before. Uh, but as many of the listeners may have been aware, um, Giants player Cora Staunton, um, she had a, a bad leg break in this game, and I think uh, Peter, you can might be able to confirm this for me, but. I think she fractured or, sorry, broke both her tib and fib. So it was quite a, mm. a bad break. And that happened sort of in the third quarter. So the match was was abandoned. And um, fortunately, in, in some instance for uh, Staunton, one of her teammates, um, Ingrid Nielsen, I believe, is a, a paramedic and was playing on the day. So uh, was able to help um, in the initial stages. But look, uh, before the match was abandoned, that obviously at Mac Uni were were clearly the better team on the day. Um, Brighton kicked three for the Warriors, Corkiono two and Keely two. So the one thing about the Warriors, they always have a sort of fairly even spread of goal kickers, which is uh, great for them. And um, Beck Privatelli was uh, the goal kicker for the Bulldogs. So I think we'll learn a bit more about um, Staunton's injury over the coming days. But uh, look, you know, all footy followers wish her a, a quick recovery. Absolutely. And as you said, a broken tib and fib. Uh, just doing a quick Google search online. Uh, generically speaking, they say it could be recovery time for three to six months. That's, of course, without knowing the specifics of Cora's injury. But if we go on that time frame, we can virtually say that her Gaelic football season, as much as she was stepping back from county to, to playing club Gaelic football, that appears to be not on the cards for this year. Uh, she wouldn't be back in time for that. Uh, if she went to a six-month window, that would me to come back around about November, which would mean when AFLW preseason begins, she has signed a contract to play for next year, but at currently at the age of 37, it does pose a question mark of will she make the effort to go around again, or will she say maybe that's just the one big injury too many? Yeah, look, it's certainly been an interesting one, and, and to an extent... Uh, I think Adelaide are in a similar position with Erin Phillips. Obviously, she's you know well publicised ACL in uh, in the grand final, but look, she's signed as well. Um, but I do believe that uh, I guess the way that the comp structured and and the terms of the contracts that um, potentially players could be made inactive and um, and other people signed on um, to replace them. But I'm not sure of the timing of when those decisions would be made. But I'm sure in both cases. Um, and as I said, uh, particularly Staunton as well, a bit of a different injury to Phillips, obviously. Um, I'm sure that they'll be given as much time as they can to um, to recover. I mean, look, you know, everyone, if, you know, both players that have good recoveries, um, then we're likely to see them play. But as I said, uh, age is probably a bit more of a factor um, for Staunton as well, given that she's that two or three years older than than uh, Phillips. So it's a, it's a, well, injuries are horrible anyway, um, but particularly, uh, you know, leg breaks such as these, um, if recovery doesn't go to plan, they can be uh, quite problematic. Let's look ahead to round five, shall we, for the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And uh, all games being played on Saturday, the 11th of May, 11.40am at Waverley Oval. It's the UTS Bats taking on Macquarie University. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a tough one for the bats, and uh, I'm going to tip Mac Easy with a fa- uh, sorry Mac Easy, Mac Uni with a fairly easy win there. 11:50 a.m. at Mahoney Park, Newtown Breakaways play host to the Inner West Magpies. Yeah, I, look, I think this will be. Um, I think this could be a similar game uh, that we saw between Wests 
and UTS on the weekend. Um, although I think uh, um, Wests will come away with another win, but I think uh, Newtown are going to be a, a lot more competitive uh, than they have been. So I think it'll be a close one, but Wests with the win. At 12pm at Sydney Uni, number one overall, the Sydney Uni Bombers versus the, versus the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. Yeah, look, I think this is uh, probably close to match of the round, Peter. Um, obviously, uh, the Sydney Uni Bombers are, are flying with their form, um, unbeaten so far in the season. Uh, UNSW have, have had some good wins. Um, obviously, they had a, a loss on the weekend and they had a close finish against Power the week before. Uh, so I think Sydney Uni um, might get the win here. But I expect the, uh, the Bulldogs to... Uh, bounce back and, uh, you know, against old rivals, Sydney Uni, I think it'll be a cracking contest. And finally, some twilight football, 4.50pm at Cambridge Oval, the East Coast Eagles versus the Southern Power. Yeah, look, unfortunately for my power, um, I think East Coast Eagles, based on their form so far, I think they're going to be uh, too good for the power. However, we have, uh, you know, power two from four and they almost got the Bulldogs. Um, So I think it'll be... uh, I think it'll be a close game, but, yeah, predicting the Eagles will, will get there with sort of a three or four goal win. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to your company next week when we review round five of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Turning our attention down to the WAFLW competition. Round one was played on the weekend. East Fremantle, 8 4 defeated Peel, 2 3 while Swan Districts, 2 6 went down to Subiaco, 7 5 Looking ahead to round two action, both games on Sunday, May 12th. Subiaco versus East Fremantle, 2 p.m. at Leaderville Oval, while Swan Districts take on Claremont, 2.45 p.m. at Steel Blue Oval. To the UNSW Canberra first grade women's competition. Round three played over the weekend. Ainsley Tricolors 23 20, 158 walloped the Gungalan Jets. No score. Belcona Magpies 17 16, 118 easily swept aside the Tugradong Hawks. No score. While the Eastlake Demons 2 3 15 went down to the Quimbian Tigers 11 4 70. As we look ahead to round four action or games on Saturday, the 11th of May, 3 p.m. at Gungalan in close. Oval, the Jets play host to the Tuggeranong Hawks. 3.45pm at Adero Law Nest, Balcona Magpies play host to the Quimbian Tigers, while at 4.30pm at Football Park, the Eastlake Demons play host to the Ainsley Tri-Colours. To the Tasmanian State League women's competition, round two played over the weekend. Lauderdale didn't get on the scoreboard against North Launceston, who racked up 16-15-111. Clarence 13-10-88 defeated the Tigers one straight six, while Glenorchy 4-3-27 went down to Launceston 9-3-57. Now it's time to focus on the Victorian Football League women's competition. Round one kicked off over on the weekend with a standalone game between the Southern Saints and the Collingwood Magpies. A gentleman that was calling that game is our lead caller here at RSN Carnival. We speak of Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Good to get the first game of the season done and dusted. It was a little bit scrappy, uh, not the most entertaining game of football but uh, I think both sides will be happy to have both of the cobwebs uh, blown away uh, to get the job done on the weekend and the Southern Saints they're looking pretty good this season. 
We've got plenty to get through on this segment. So before we hit our first break, let's have a look at what happened in the standalone round one game that was played on the weekend at RSCA Park. The Southern Saints and Collingwood. And it actually took a while for the Saints to get the first goal on the board. Yeah, about halfway through the second term, uh, it took them to, to finally get a, get a major um, for the first major of the season, in fact. Um, and then after that, they, they were able to settle in to a rhythm um, and, and just seemed to, a little more confident with ball in hand. Uh, we, we know Collingwood were a very inexperienced side on the weekend. They had uh, around eight sub debutants uh, coming out onto the park for the first time in a Collingwood Guernsey. And look, they, they did well, um, but the Southern Saints, they just looked a little sharper. As I said, they looked more confident. Their decision-making was better. The, the execution was a little bit sloppy, which I think you can give a little slack for because it was round one. Um, and in the second half, they, they took control. Collingwood uh, gave, gave a little shake uh, early in the third and early in the fourth quarter, but were unable to capitalise when they had that momentum. They really got stuck in the in the back pocket or on the half-back flank and just broke down, couldn't clear the ball out of there. And every time the Southern Saints, uh, particularly in the second quarter with uh, Fitzpatrick, who was just swallowing marks on the centre wing and able to rebound quickly, Greiser looked good up. Uh, contributed with two goals. She'll be definitely be a presence in that side this season. Bahanna was strong as well up forward for the Southern Saints, so they had plenty of good contributors across the park. And one name that sticks out to me is Kat Phillips, who was running off half-back. She, of course, was a Melbourne AFLW footballer who has switched to play for St Kilda for AFLW 2020. And previously played for Melbourne University uh, a few years ago as well. Yes, she did look uh, very exciting coming off half-back uh, and across the wing area. Um, her kicking skills were, were fantastic, as you'd expect from any AFLW talent. But um, she looks to have developed and, and improved again and will certainly help uh, this Still fairly young Southern Saints side. There's a bit of scattered uh, AFLW talent and and state league experience through that squad. But uh, it's still very young and still developing. But she's definitely one of the leaders out on the park for them. And the other name to look out for is Alison Drennan, who, of course, has come back to St Kilda AFLW to play for them in 2020. Um, interesting to see a number of players on the boundary line with AFLW experience that uh, are expected to come in. Of course, we talk of uh, Tilly Lucas-Rod, who didn't play in that game, and also watching on Kate Shearlaw. Yes, and we also saw Valerie Moreau hobbling around the, the boundary line in crutches after her surgery last week. So we wish her all the best in her recovery. And it's great to see that she's going to still be around the Saints this season. So still hopeful of that AFLW dream, you would think, for Valerie Moreau. Again, we repeat the final scores there. 5-13-43, the Southern Saints defeating Collingwood 1-2-8. We'll be back with Coxie in a moment on the other side of this break to discuss the VFLW clubs that will be participating in the remainder of Round 1, which is happening this weekend. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. 
Your support is vital. Donate now at ALNF.org. You're listening to RSN Carnival Digital Radio, the RSN Racing and Sport app at rsn.net.au. This is Women's Australian Rules Football. I'm Peter Holden. Joining me is Matthew Cox to have a look at our VFLW season preview because the Southern Saints and Collingwood kicked off round one last week. The remaining clubs will kick it off this week. Let's start, first of all, in a bit of a quirky sense here, uh, Coxie, with the Williamstown Football Club. Uh, they are going to feature in our Match of the Day coverage this Saturday at 11am on RSN Carnival 2. Um, they are playing a game, but not for premiership points. They're playing as part of the GWS Invitational Series. Yeah, it's a little quirk that we briefly referred to last week. GWS have uh, been invited down to participate in uh, five games throughout the VFLW season against uh, some of the Victorian clubs, which is great. It's an opportunity for GWS to continue developing some of their youngsters and players who are part of the academy um, for them. So they'll come down and and play as part of the Premier State League competition in the country. Um, We saw Northern Territory do something similar last year, although that was for the entire season and for Premiership points, and they are back in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's season as well this year. So it's nice to see that there is some of the interstate clubs coming in to help develop their talent, and we look forward to seeing how GWS track, as you said, no Premiership points on offer in these invitational games, but it will be a good benchmark to see not only where GWS stacks up against some of the Victorian talent, but also going the opposite way for a club like Williamstown, a standalone club in the VFLW. Just how much their coaching and and their pathway and their structures and systems all work together uh, against a club with AFL backing. For the Williamstown Football Club, they've suffered a blow by losing virtually all of their AFLW talent to their respective AFLW clubs. The most notable, of course, was Jess Duffin, who won the Lambert Pierce medal. That's the VFLW best and fairest uh, last year. She was also the club best and fairest at Williamstown. Uh, Janet Bruton, who finished third in their best and fairest. Jasmine Garner, Sophie van der Heuvel, all going to play for their respective AFLW clubs. So that's a fair bit of talent walking out the door. And not only talent, but a fair bit of leadership as well that's uh, departed the, the club, which is disappointing, but it's hard given that Williamstown are a standalone club. Of course, not only the VFL, but also in the VFLW. And these alignments now uh, with AFLW clubs having a VFLW club, um, it's going to make it tricky for these independents to try and attract uh, at least local talent. They can have a crack at the interstate talent. That's a little bit easier for Victorians returning home. But it's a, a tricky situation that Williamstown find themselves in. And as you said, there's those experienced players like Duffin, Garner, Bruton that have all departed the club, which were really their standouts last year. And even though Williamstown came on towards the, the end of the season with some impressive results and uh, even a, a victory over Melbourne University late in the season as well. Uh, I, I think the fact that they've had a lot of talent walk out and what's come in, whilst it's fantastic that uh, some of the women coming into the side are, are from local sides or from the, the NAB League girls competition and stepping up, it's uh, it's not the same class as what has the part of the club, which could make things a little tricky for the Seagulls in 2019. 
they have managed to sign just the one AFLW footballer, and that being Alicia Newman uh, from Melbourne. Of course, uh, we've seen her the last couple of years playing for the VU Western Spurs slash Western Bulldogs. So it, it, it's great to see that Newman is going to be playing for Williamstown, offering a bit of speed, offering uh, a little bit of leadership, even though she's only been playing the game since uh, 2017. Uh, they also picked up um, another veteran, a 36-year-old, in fact, from Manor Lakes and Gemma Anderson. Yeah, and she, again, she's one of those players that's been identified in, in some of the local leagues and local competitions. She won a Best and Fairest uh, award in the, the Western region last year. So uh, obviously a standout player that's caught the eye of the, the Williamstown recruiters and will come in. As you said, she's 36 years old, so will hopefully offer a bit of uh, leadership out on the grill, uh, out on the ground and a bit of experience for this uh, fairly young Williamstown side. And also, uh, I note that Jacinta Reid, who finished runner-up in the best and fairest last year for Williamstown, uh, has been uh, rewarded with the captaincy. Yes, and uh, she's been one of the the top players coming out of the pre-season, according to the club as well. Uh, Played 13 games last year and, uh, yeah, will be one of the co-captains alongside Nikki Wallace for the 2019 season. So we wish them all the best. Nikki's being described as a a potential AFLW draft prospect in 2019 at just the age of 25. Um, So hopefully those two girls can put themselves on the park and do a very good job representing the Seagulls. Uh, their opponents for Saturday as part of our Match of the Day coverage are the GWS Giants. They've announced their VFLW squad, which is a mixture of AFLW talent, some delisted AFLW talent rejoining the squad, and some up-and-coming uh, players throughout AFL New South Wales ACT. Uh, we do need to mention one name, though, and that is Cora Staunton. Now, Cora was originally named in the squad, uh, Word was she was staying in Australia through to June, which means she would have played the two matches in May, being uh, this Saturday and the next Saturday against uh, Richmond. Unfortunately, she is out playing any sport for at least three to six months minimum uh, due to breaking a fibula and tibula on the weekend. Yeah, incredibly sad and disappointing news to hear that on the weekend. Um an exciting player, a player that's uh, provided a lot of uh, skill up forward for them, even though she's still learning the game um, for GWS. Uh, it's incredibly sad that she doesn't get to refine her skills in this uh, invitational series. But you hope that uh, the off-field time and recovery time, if she's staying in Australia, which I believe she is, being around the club, hopefully, um that she will still be able to pick up some uh, tips and hints during this little patch and maybe develop her football now as well, just help refine that. Um, But uh, the fact that she won't be out on the park, it's uh, disappointing. We won't get to see her live throughout the season. Was was looking forward to seeing what she'd be able to offer at state league level and whether she'd continue to push her name up in lights. But we wish her all the best in her recovery from what sounds as if it was a horrific injury. Second chances in this GWS squad for players like Tate Mackerel, Ebony O'Day, Renee Tompkins, who were all uh, delisted, and also uh, players that were delisted in the previous years, including Melissa Freckleton, uh, Beck Previtali, uh, Pippa Smythe. They all have the chance to pull on the orange and charcoal again and try to impress to get their way back onto the AFLW list. 
yeah, it's it's fantastic that they've got the opportunity. Obviously, AFLW rules do require squads to be reduced uh, down to 22 players. I think it is ahead of the AFLW draft a little later in the year. So some of those cuts, uh, considering that they're going to be lining up uh, in this invitational series, you would think that uh, they would still want them on the list. It's just a matter of um, the, the rules and regulations and obviously the, the emerging talent coming through as well, what's on offer. So it's just a, a combination of assessing those factors moving forward. But they do get a second chance and it'll be interesting to see how those players that were delisted uh, do respond. Uh, you mentioned Tate Mackerel there who ventured down to the Essendon VFLW side last season and certainly made her presence felt there. It'll be interesting to see how she responds, whether she can take her game to another level, which I think she can. And I just want to have a look at um, some players that were playing at other VFLW clubs uh, last year, but will be playing for the Giants in the VFLW uh, series. I mentioned Tanya Hetherington, who was a playing assistant coach for Essendon VFLW. She's going to be playing for the GWS uh, Giants. Uh, You throw in Jessica Delpos, who was a Darabin. She's going to be playing for the Giants. Uh, Alicia Everts, great to see her back playing VFLW football. She'll be playing for the Giants. Louise Stevenson, who played a handful of games for Richmond last season, she'll be playing in the VFLW with the Giants. Yeah, very. not only uh, last year have they featured in VFLW, but from seasons gone by as well. Delpos, uh, well-known with the Darabin Falcons, that name well-known with the Darabin Falcons too for uh, a long period of time. Alicia Eva with her history with Melbourne University, um, Tanya Hetherington, her history with Diamond Creek. So there's a lot of former Victorians uh, that might be returning uh, back to Victoria um, or a Victorian side this season, which is disappointing in a way uh, on on one hand because we won't get to see them full-time in GWS colours right throughout the, the 2019 season in the, the VFLW program. But B, we, we won't get to see them in the VFLW at all because they are incredibly talented players. All of them offer something. All of them are very uh, great, outstanding leaders on the park um, and have, have, have helped develop talent in the competition over the last couple of years while they've been on an AFLW list. So a little disappointing. We'll only get to see them hopefully for all five matches. That's not guaranteed, but hopefully uh, at least some of them will be there for most of the games that we will see throughout the season. And hopefully that'll help uh, steady up this GWS side who, as we alluded to earlier, is consisting of some AFLW experience, um, some players that are on the fringe of of being a part of the AFLW side and some of the emerging talent coming through New South Wales and the ACT. The Hawthorne Football Club reigning premiers and they're going to feature in our Sunday match of the day as part of our double header at 11am. It is Hawthorne unfurling the premiership flag at Box Hill City Oval against the NT Thunder. The news that we have out of Hawthorne so far, names coming back. Phoebe McWilliams, even though she relocated down to Geelong and is on the Geelong AFLW list, she'll play for Hawthorne VFLW. Jade Van Dyke will be at Hawthorne. Beck Beeson won't be playing with the Giants. She'll be playing with the Hawks. Pepper Randall won't be playing with the Giants. She'll be playing with the Hawks. Sarah Perkins is back in town, signed up for another year with the Hawks. And Talia Radden, um, who, of course, moved from Adelaide to play with uh, Melbourne, she's going to be playing the winter with Hawthorne. 
it's a testament to that club's culture, isn't it? The fact that so many AFLW listed players have returned. I think for me that the standout there is Phoebe McWilliams had the opportunity down at Geelong to potentially be a part of their VFLW program down there, which we know is incredibly strong and, and fairly successful in the couple of years they've been a part of the competition. She's She's uh, said, no, I want to return to the club where I won a premiership with last year. She's got uh, a lot of friends there as well, some uh, great uh, coaches as well. So there's there's a reason that she's headed back. She's still a, on the Geelong, Geelong AFLW list. So it, it's intriguing to see that she'll be playing them throughout the, the season and interesting to see how the interaction goes with a couple of her AFLW teammates but it's one of the quirks of the, the current system but as I said before it's a testament to what uh, Paddy Hill's done at uh, Hawthorne not only last year it started two years ago uh, with Box Hill when they entered the competition and he took charge of that that side he, he's built it they had some great players come in last year that have well experienced that certainly bolstered that side and then they're one while they're still focused on developing and, and, and nurturing the players and adding that versatility that so many of the VFLW clubs do these days. But Hawthorne is one of the sides that has no uh, pressure. They can go for it. They can go for the win. They can go for the flag. And that was really noticeable towards the end of last year when other clubs started to get a little more reserved with how much they were pushing for potential success. Hawthorne were just continually banging down the door and I expect them to do something similar again this year because not only have they retained a lot of their talent another year under the belt of some of their more uh, inexperienced players is going to well they're just going to cause uh, trouble this year because they are going to just get stronger and stronger and they're coming up against a side who I think will be a little bitter that they weren't a part of grand final day and didn't have a clean chance at uh, winning that premiership flag last year in the Northern Territory Thunder were dominant throughout the season last year. We know that the backstory and history that uh, is related to that and the AFL, AFLW players coming up from Adelaide to be a part of that squad. Um, they bowed out uh, last year in the elimination final. They wouldn't have been happy about that result after a successful season. They're back in the VFLW, and I reckon they've got a bit of fire in the belly. But coming up against Hawthorne this week is going to be very tough. And just before we touch on the NT Thunder, we should make note that a day ago, um, the Hawthorne Football Club did announce their captain for the 2019 VFLW season, a woman that's been around for a few years and probably got under the radar, Tamara Luke. Oh, she may have gone under the radar in the uh, public forums, but not here at Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. She uh, was a player that came under our eyes uh, frequently last year, dominated up forward for them, provided a real presence combining with McWilliams and Perkins going forward, spent time going through the midfield in the ruck and was a big ball in there when she'd uh, imposed herself on the contest. So no surprise that uh, she's been handed the captaincy this year. Uh, of course, Emma Mackey not returning to the club this season after heading down to St Kilda and being signed with them after a few years with the Western Bulldogs AFLW program. So uh, good chance for Tamara Luke, not only to, to take another step in her career progression, but uh, also take charge of this Hawthorne side.
Looking at the NT Thunder, they've got a new coach. Heidi Thompson has taken over as Thunder Women's Head Coach and Academy Manager. Um, their key recruit has been Jay DeMello, a 26-year-old from Waratah up in Darwin. Uh, she's a former AFLW footballer at Fremantle. Yeah, back in 2018, uh, had a few injury issues uh, during the off-season, but hopefully she'll be okay to play this weekend. Uh, a fairly exciting player forward of centre, so hopefully that uh, we can see some of that excitement uh, on the weekend at Box Hill City Oval. A noteworthy pre-season performer, a woman that actually played uh, part of a season, if I recall, I think it was about 2016-2017 with the Eastern Devils. Um, of course, she is originally from the Northern Territory. Taylor Thorne, former Adelaide footballer, uh, one of those starring uh, during the pre-season for the NT Thunder. Yeah, a player that's uh, got, got a fairly stocky body on her from all reports as well as we head towards round one. Uh, a nice kick. Uh, and uh, I think she did... I do remember her playing for the Eastern Devils. And it, uh, according to the VFL website, it says that she has played 12 VFLW games. Only young, 21 years old. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how she performs in this Northern Territory Thunderside. Let me throw out another name for you. I'm surprised she's only 22 years old. It feels like she's been around for a while because I remember her playing, I think, of the 2016 exhibition matches for Melbourne, including one game of Melbourne versus Queensland, wearing the Brisbane Lions jumpers at the MCG in that particular game. Amy Chittick, she's been around the NTFL football season, uh, football league for quite a number of years and had a stellar season this season. And again, uh, according to the VFL website, she's played three VFLW games, um, which I'm assuming would have been last year for the Northern Territory Thunder. Uh, considered a, a prospect, as you said, only 22 years old, so still a fair bit of football in head of her. A, a slightly smaller frame than most of the opponents that she comes up against, um, but she, according to the reports, has been working on that over the the off-season, so looking forward to seeing what she's able to achieve this year. And Lisa, uh, pardon me, uh, Letitia Jeffrey has been uh, awarded the captaincy for this season. Yeah, 28-year-old, uh, eight VFLW games. Uh, she's uh, uh, was involved in the, the recent Northern Territory Football League Grand Final as well, so uh, is coming off a little bit of expense. Uh, success, my apologies, um, and we'll be looking to, well, according to uh, vfl.com.au and Heidi Thompson, who's uh, provided her thoughts, uh, we'll be looking to play her through the midfield and, and along the wing over the years. So looking forward to seeing what she can do. As you said, has been named captain and the vice captains for this year, uh, Lisa Roberts, uh, who's... I'm not sure whether she'd uh, like this being said on radio, 40 years old. Uh, according to the, the website, and Angela Foley, who returns to the club again this season. Cecilia McIntosh would say that's young, and we'll touch on Cecilia um, a, a little <laughs> while later. Let's have a look at uh, the other game as part of our Sunday doubleheader. This call coming courtesy of GoFooty.Live, which you'll hear on RSN Carnival 2, 1.30pm Sunday, immediately after our Hawthorne NT Thunder game, Melbourne Uni versus Geelong. We start with Melbourne Uni, first of all. Uh, they came out and announced their captains last night. 
Emma Carney has taken back the captaincy of Melbourne Uni, a leadership group including many former Melbourne Uni names. Caitlin Ashmore, one of them in there. A former Eastern Devil and Tani Nesta joins their leadership group. Stacked with AFLW talent. But the question is, Coxie, how many games will they play? Because they only played a very limited amount last season. Yeah, and that's the, the question mark that I have for Melbourne University. I think, uh, and, and and given too that Scott Gowans is going to be coaching them this year in the VFLW program, which is a little different to some of the other AFLW-aligned clubs uh, with their AFLW senior coaches not taking as much of a hands-on role, which I actually think may work in favour of North Melbourne and, and Melbourne University, given that he will be there as oversight and directing the program, I think that will work for them. But again, just given how sparingly they seemed to use players last season, they were coming in and out of the side. There was no real continuity from that senior group of established players um, obviously mindful of uh, their development towards the first season of North Melbourne. Um, so curious, again, to see how Melbourne Uni, on paper, they look as though they could be challenging for the premiership. And we obviously know the, the esteem that comes with the Melbourne University name. But in reality, what will happen, there's a big question mark, just given the way that they were used last season. As we continue our look through the uh, Melbourne Uni side, um, I know Kim Ebb, um, of course, Hawthorne VFLW Premiership footballer, will be playing with Melbourne Uni this year. Alongside Tani Nesta, who also comes across from Hawthorne as well. So a couple of players that uh, are probably just missing an inch or two in terms of uh, uh, experience to, to get on and, and polish to get on an AFLW list. So maybe this is a, a chance to just take the next step. They're obviously part of the premiership with Hawthorne last year. Well, so we'll be bringing that success with them. And I also note that uh, Jess Anwell's come across from the Essendon VFLW program. So they've not only brought in uh, a lot of the North Melbourne AFLW talent, but they've also got in some uh, exciting prospects from the VFLW into this Melbourne University lineup. And another Essendon VFLW football that has crossed to North Melbourne, Melbourne University, has been Laura Moorcraft. And I say it that way is because she went to the North Melbourne Football Club to be a line coach with the AFLW side. And with Melbourne University, uh, she's going to be an assistant coach. But I was interested to note that she did play in their practice game against Darabin a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'll be curious to see whether she does pull on the, the boots throughout the season. She... Is a, is a solid defender. You know what to expect when Lauren Moorcroft's out on the field, although she did play forward uh, on various occasions last year for the Essendon VFLW side when uh, they were l lacking uh, a bit of structure up forward, so provided a marking option. So it'll be interesting to see how she will be used if she is indeed used. And obviously with her experience out on the, the park, uh, as well as being uh, one of the assistant coaches, you'd expect that would help, especially if Melbourne Uni decide to play some young emerging talent coming up through the ranks. 
Let's have a look at the Geelong Football Club, Melbourne University's opponents for this Sunday. They have not come out officially yet to say their VFLW list, but we do know that there's a change of coach. Paul Hood will not be taking the reins of the VFLW. will be concentrating solely on AFLW. Taking the VFLW reins will be Natalie Wood. Natalie, a former Darabin footballer, many premierships there, uh, last played in the 2014 Grand Final victory, then hung up the boots after that to focus on coaching and a, a school teaching career at that stage. I think she was, in fact, an assistant principal at Geelong Way. Yeah, and has been part of the, the Geelong system for uh, a little while as well, so so it's not completely new to the club, um, and it was always going to be that way in terms of how the transition unfolded when the AFLW licence did come in. They made that clear very early on, so congratulations to her for being appointed the, the senior coach, and I wouldn't expect too many things would change. I think uh, given Paul Hood's still involved, although he'll be in terms of being hands-on, he'll be taking a step backwards from the VFLW side. You'd expect he'd still have some sort of input into how players are developed and, and the structure because whilst the list hasn't come out, you'd expect that uh, the Geelong list will feature most of their AFLW side. I note some of these AFLW names uh, that would have played from uh, last year that will be missing this year and for various reasons. I'll go through them one by one. Uh, Nina Morrison, who played a number of games from last year, will be missing, obviously, through that ACL injury. Uh, Phoebe McWilliams is an AFLW-listed player. Of course, as we know, will be playing for Hawthorne VFLW. Uh, Hannah Birchall, uh, Elise Coventry, Megan Fogas uh, uh, were delisted. Um, no word yet if they'll play VFLW for Geelong. Mia Ray Clifford, who was delisted, was spotted last weekend playing for Carlton in the VFLW, even though that we know that she will play for Fremantle in the AFLW in 2020. And, of course, Erin Hoare. Uh, she's currently overseas at the moment, uh, doing a research fellowship at Cambridge University. So she's hung up the footy boots only for a year. She assures us she'll be back soon to play AFLW in 2021 and may even be playing in the AFL London Women's League. Watch this space. And Hayley Trevine, if I'm correct, I think has ended up at Essendon. Yeah, I was going to say... I'm, I'm got a feeling from a practice match over the weekend, saw something on social media and recognised that a couple of ex-cats that they've pulled on the red and black, um, the, the names escape me as to who exactly they, they were, but there were a couple of them um, that have ventured across. And the names that you read out there, yes, it's uh, their AFLW talent that will be missing, but uh, most of them have been a core group of that cat side for the last couple of seasons. So it will be curious to see how they they plug those gaps. Obviously, uh, Phoebe McWilliams hasn't been there. Nina Morrison made an impact last season but uh, and is an exciting talent, but as you said, will be missing through the ACL injury. All those other players that were in that list have been a part of this VFLW system for quite some time. So uh, it does leave a tiny void, but given, and we anticipate that the Geelong list to be released at the time of uh, recording this this chat, uh, you'd anticipate those holes will be plugged with the uh, some other AFL talent, AFLW talent that came onto the list last year. Namely, you'd think Melissa Hickey will be pulling on the Guernsey this season. 
Absolutely, and it'll be interesting to see uh, Melissa run around in the Cats colours and if uh, if she'll be part of their coaching panel in some way, very similar to a Lauren Moorcroft that we mentioned earlier and like Tanya Hetherington last year at Essendon VFLW, if she'll play a assistant playing coaching role. You would think so. It's just uh, another string in her bow. Um, and we know that she was an assistant last year while she did have that ACL injury. And after she had crossed from Melbourne to, to Geelong, she was uh, holding an assistant coaching role at Darabin. So uh, she's obviously interested in that pathway beyond her playing career. So no doubt whether it's in an official capacity or non-official capacity, she'd be involved in the coaching behind the scenes with the Cats. Let's continue our look here at the VFLW uh, 2019 season. We're looking at the clubs as we look into uh, round one, part B, which kicks off this weekend. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. Uh, Essendon versus the Casey Demons is going to be a match uh, this uh, weekend. It will be the VFL live stream game that they're uh, putting on YouTube. Um, I, I note straight off the bat, uh, if I go with their one, two and three from their best and Ferris last year for Essendon. Hayley Bullis and Courtney Eugle, one and two respectively. These two players were seen trialling at the West Coast Eagles with their academy over the summer. And player number three on their list, Rebecca Neves, is no longer there. She, of course, is at the Southern Saints. Yeah, and two players that I was a little surprised didn't get picked up. Uh, in the draft last year. I thought both of them had done enough to impress some of the recruiters out there. Clearly, they've, they've got a step to go, but uh, they've certainly got the aspects of the game that warrant being on an AFLW list. And note that Courtney Eugle has been uh, rewarded for her efforts last year and her efforts over the pre-season with the captaincy role at Essendon for 2019. So congratulations to her. And Ailey Balls, she was a tackling machine last year. I think she got a record early on in the season and just took the, the competition by storm. Paid it out as the season went on, but you'd be expecting her again to get a little more consistent in 2019. And we should mention when we talk about captains, and you said with Courtney Eugle, uh, their captain, Lisa Williams, now known as Lisa Brown. Uh, congratulations to Lisa, not only on being married, but is expecting a child. Therefore, Lisa Brown will be sitting out for this season, expecting her bub come October. Yeah, it was, uh, I was scratching my head to see where she disappeared to. Couldn't find the, the Lisa Williams down, down the page and then... You pointed out to me that she had indeed got married during the off-season, but then she still wasn't on the list. And that's a fairly significant reason as to why she won't be pulling on the boots this year. As we said, congratulations to her, the inaugural Essendon captain, sitting out the season. Hopefully she pulls on the red and black jumper come 2020 because she is a an outstanding player, definitely across that half-back wing and at times through the midfield last year for the Essendon VFLW side. So we'll be missed Hopefully they'll be able to cover it with some of the players that they've got coming in, the Bombers. But uh, we hope that all goes well this year for her and hopefully she's back on the park in 2020. But congratulations to her. A few names to go through when we talk about ins, um, particularly former AFLW talent. Shay Audley looking for another crack at AFLW level. Will be playing with the Essendon VFLW side. And a woman who's retired from AFLW football but is going to spend another season running around in the VFLW is Cecilia McIntosh. 
Yeah, McIntosh has uh, taken on the Meg Hutchins approach, hasn't she? Retired from AFLW and then going to one of the independent clubs to extend her football career. It's great to see. I think she's still got a lot to offer, uh, especially at a competition which is a a step down in a way from the AFLW in terms of of the pace and the the ferocity. You've got a lot of young talent coming through and she'll be great in terms of guiding this very young Essendon list. That's the one thing that still stands out. It's a very inexperienced list. They had a tough and difficult season last year. Only one win coming against Richmond, 13 losses, finishing 13th on the ladder. So it was a, a disappointing season for them. Um, but as you said, Cecilia McIntosh, she's been here, there and everywhere in, in women's footy. She uh, was at Melbourne Uni when I first saw her take to the park. She's been at Collingwood the last couple of years and hopefully will will have a big impact at the Essendon Footy Club. And Shay Audley, another experienced veteran of women's football after many seasons with Diamond Creek, played the, the last couple of years of the AFLW with Carlton little surprised that uh, they got rid of her, although uh, they have got some uh, young midfield talent coming through, even though they did uh, lose Brianna Davey. Still a little surprised, uh, but good to see that she has been picked up uh, and continues the, the little link that Diamond Creek have with the Essendon Football Club with a few of their former stars heading across to the Bombers. So it's nice to see that that still retains in some way, shape or form couple of international recruits at Essendon as well. We saw Colin Decay uh, training there. Of course, uh, she played with the European Crusaders uh, during the uh, 2017 International Club and played uh, Division One uh, Northern Football League footy with uh, Darabin Falcons last year. Um, and also I note that April Lewis has uh, signed on with Essendon. April Lewis, of course, from the Seattle Grizzlies in the USA. There continues this international influx that we seem to be having in the, the VFLW. We saw Jess Blecker and, and Frankie Hocking uh, be a part of both uh, Collingwood and the Southern Saints respectively over the weekend. So nice to see that there's a couple of more international faces coming on to VFLW lists, which I'm a little surprised that it took as long for it to happen. I remember with the International Cup a couple of years ago and seeing the talent that was running around then, Yes, it, they, they weren't as clean and as crisp as, as the state league players then, but they certainly, if they wanted it, an opportunity to pursue a, a career in the VFLW, it was was there for them to take, in, in my opinion anyway. It's happened two years down the track, but uh, nice to see that there are some of those willing to to make the effort and obviously the, the financial sacrifice to come out to Australia and, and pursue the dream of playing at least VFLW football, hopefully even AFLW football if uh, they can get a, a good couple of years at it. Let's have a look at the Casey Demons, Essendon's opponent for the weekend. Uh, we note that Matty Guren, who of course uh, was at Darabin last year and of course is on the Melbourne AFLW list, will be playing for the Casey Demons this year and uh, picked up plenty of the footy in their practice game against Hawthorne uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one big name for them who was uh, very impressive, uh, in my opinion, when she played at Essendon, uh, was Bridie Windbanks. Uh, she's crossed over from the Bombers to the Demons. Yeah, she has. Uh, as you said, a, a young a run, young player who's come across, um, obviously with aspirations to play AFLW, as most of the, the young talent does, coming into the, the Casey Demons system. Um, she's, according to reports, 
has, has really grown into the program. So looking forward to seeing what she can contribute to uh, the club. Does come out of the Oakley Chargers from a, uh, a year or two ago. So uh, again, the Oakley Chargers, they're, they're a footy factory down there for both boys and, and girls at the moment. There's a lot of talent uh, coming out of that region and she's another one of them. And interesting to see Alexandra Kirkwood, um, a former netballer who's crossed over to uh, footy. Uh, she's been picked up by the Casey Demons. Yeah, it comes from a, a netballing background. Uh, likely to see her off half-back. Has great athletic ability. So uh, looking forward to seeing what she can contribute to this Casey Demons side who... Uh, again, is, is another one is it's a bit puzzling to see what they can do this year and how successful they will be. They were uh, 10th last season with a record of 5-9, five and nine, uh, five wins, nine losses last year and probably had a list where they could have achieved a bit more. We know that these AFLW clubs are very much aligned on developing players and managing workloads, etc. We heard from Debbie Lee last year when she was in charge of the Western Bulldogs and how much the, the, the win-loss ratio didn't necessarily impact on whether the season was a success or not and feel that that's a similar sort of aim Casey approach last season. Whether that changes this season remains to be seen. Um, but I would be expecting it to. I think they'll focus more on, on developing players, given that they've uh, lost a bit from the AFLW ranks and will be looking to recruit uh, some new youngsters into that side uh, come the AFLW draft. It'd be intriguing to see if there will be any games out of Daisy Pierce this year. And I note that because Daisy hasn't touched the footy since late March 2018. She took uh, that winter off to focus on her media commitments, and then uh, bingo, she happened to be pregnant as well and, of course, has missed the AFLW season to give birth to her twins. Um, if she didn't play VFLW, it would essentially be a two-year gap. She wouldn't be touching the football again realistically to January 2020. So uh, balancing media commitments and, I believe, a few coaching commitments as well, it'll be intriguing to see if Daisy Pierce will run out for a handful of games for Casey just to get some miles into legging and, and, and to get a, a bit of touch of the footy again. I've got a feeling that we'll be seeing the number six running around the park towards the latter end of the season. I don't think Melbourne will let her come back cold turkey after uh, giving birth to, to the Twins and, and having a, a significant period of time off, even though we know she's a, a wonderful player, an absolute star and a, a legend of women's footy. I just don't think someone can have that amount of time off and come straight back into an AFLW program. I think she'll need some sort of conditioning. We, we know she's re-signed with the club for 2020, so she will be playing next year in the AFLW. Um, and I just have this feeling that we might see her pop up. And it will be curious, too, because... For a long time, Daisy Pearce has been aligned at Victorian State League level with the Darabin Falcons. And I've got a feeling that maybe one of the reasons why she did take a step back early last year, at least indicated very early on that she'd be taking the season off, maybe was because of the conflict that may have been had between the Casey Demons and the Darabin Falcons after that long legacy there. So it'll be curious to see whether she does indeed pull a Demons Guernsey on whether she might return to her old home of the Darabin Falcons. Talking about the Darabin Falcons, uh, their round one opponent will be Richmond uh, at Punt Road Oval uh, this Saturday. Um, 
looking at their list, they've announced that four big AFLW names will be playing for them this season. Aliso Day, one of their former captains. Uh, Brooke Patterson, who was formerly on a Melbourne list. Uh, Jamie Stanton, who, of course, uh, more recently played with North Melbourne and will be going back to play with uh, Gold Coast uh, come AFLW 2020. And uh, after spending two years at Carlton AFLW, Bridie Kennedy will also be running around for the Darabin Falcons. Yeah, she was unfortunately delisted, Bridie Kennedy, equal uh, best and fairest in the under-18 competition back in 2017 when it was known as the TAC Cup Girls competition. So uh, we know she's got talent. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see the best of her at Carlton. Hopefully she can reinvigorate her career with the Darabin Falcons. Elise Day, I think, uh, stands head and shoulders on that list above everyone else because of the link that she's got with the Ds. You would have thought she may have lined up this year with the Casey Demons and their program, but she's decided to head back to the home ground, if you like, with the Darabin Falcons. And... It's going to be a very different season for them. Um, a club we know is so successful. They've had a great culture for a long period of time uh, and been so dominant in, in this competition that they were, they were um, not looked upon very kindly from uh, some of the other teams in the competition for a long period of time. This is completely different for them. They've got a new new coach this, this year with Michael Erickson coming on board. Um, new look playing list. Uh, some of the other players that uh, will miss will be missing from the list uh, last year. I don't think uh, Lily Methan will be pulling on on the Guernsey for them this year. Uh, I don't believe um, that the ruckman whose name just escapes me for a minute, Lauren oh, yes. Pierce. I don't be- I don't believe she's pulling on a Falcons Guernsey either this season. Um, so they are going to be missing a, a fair bit of their AFL um, W experience, if you like, or those personalities that have been involved in the club for a long time. That's not to say that they may not still be around the club, given that they've got such a, a long history with them. But uh, well, it's going to be a very di- different-looking uh, Darabin side. I will correct you, actually, just quickly. Lauren Pierce has signed on to play with the Darabin Falcons in 2019. So uh, that there is go. that that is going to help them, no doubt. That is that that's that's in fact incredibly important to have her come back to the, to the club. Um, we see that Steph Simpson's been named their skipper for 2019, a player that has has been with them. So she she has been through the the successful period with the club, but uh, beyond that, it's a fairly young, youthful list. And I'll note uh, a couple of the. Um, other players that have uh, been named in the leadership group, uh, Kathleen Rowe and Genevieve Lawson Tavern, they are another couple of prominent names that have been a part of the Falcons. So they, there's some of that second tier, I'd call it, players, not your, your A grades, Daisy Pierce, uh, Paxman, etc., that have been at the club in years gone by. But uh, there are some good, solid players still a part of this group. But I'd don't expect them to play as big of a role this year. They just missed out on finals last year. I'm anticipating, just given what uh, we we see from the, the list that they've uh, put out, that uh, I'd anticipate them to slip potentially a little bit further. 
And can I give just a quick little clip to the person who's done the VFLW uh, previews for this year to say Steph Simpson, 36 VFLW games. Might want to put her total tally, including VWFL games, because she's played quite a while. She's played in seven premierships, and I think they, all those games should be mentioned just quietly. Uh, Molly Eastman, 21-year-old, uh, 12 VFLW games, a lot of hype around her last year at the Darren Falcons, hoping that she'd get picked up in the AFLW draft. She didn't, but there are hopes that with this expansion period that she will be signed this year. Yeah, and went over to Western Australia to be a part of the Eagles Academy program. So uh, another one of those players we were talking about, Courtney Eugle and Hayley Bullis, who also ventured over there a little earlier. Uh, Molly Eastman's been another one that's hoping to, to get on an AFLW list. So we wait to see what happens there with the West Coast Eagles. She's looking to take her game to another level and, and why not come and be a part of uh, the Darabin Falcons to try and reinvigorate uh, themselves after missing the final series for the first time in well over a decade. Let's have a look at Darabin's opponent for the weekend and do you know what time it is? <laughs> it's Tiger no, I'm not time. Buying, I'm not buying it. Not buying into that, Pete. It's Tiger time. Yes, at <laughs> Richmond. And it certainly is with the recruits that they picked up through the AFLW sign and trade period. The, the three biggest names that we talk about, of course, are Sabrina Frederick, uh, Katie Brennan, Monique Conti. And I guess we're all just sitting back to see at what stage will the Gun 3 be introduced into the VFLW. Yeah, I think uh, whenever they are ready, Tom Hunter's going to have a bit of an issue on his hands trying to slot them into this uh, Tigers lineup. Um, not only just getting them in the side, but then trying to work out how this forward line's going to function with uh, three dominant players uh, a part of the side. Richmond are a curious one. They started the season well last year. Ended up finishing in 12, four wins, 10 losses, which was probably a little down on where they expected to be after the first few rounds of the season. They were certainly impressing. Um, and obviously, they're in a similar position to the Southern Saints this year. They'll be building towards their AFLW program. As I mentioned last week, I'm expecting the Southern Saints to follow the, the Geelong the path. I think they're going to try and get as much momentum and as many wins as possible, potentially the way they look on the weekend. I know only round one, but I think they've got the potential to, to match it with the likes of Hawthorne. Richmond, on the other hand, whilst they've got a lot of talent coming into this side, I'm expecting them to go more down the Melbourne Uni path of 2018 and it will be um, a mix mix match in terms of what players come in and out of the side. I think they're more will be more focused on just getting players in, getting them conditioned, getting them up to speed, rather than uh, fully focused um, on, on wins and losses. Again, that's just pure opinion. That's the feeling, though, that I'm getting from what's being discussed and, and talked about in the media. Good to see that Laura Bailey uh, has headed across to the Tigers. She crossed about midway through last year from memory. 27 years old, has played 30 VFLW games, so he's one of those experienced players at state league level. Was on the Western Bulldogs list uh, for a couple of AFLW seasons, so we'll be looking to reignite her AFLW career with the Tigers.
Having a look at some names that have crossed over, uh, one of them which, uh, looking in the big footy forums and looking at what Tiger supporters had to say, some that saw their um, game before Anzac Day against the ADF in that special one-off game for the Tigers, um, they were very impressed with Akek Makur chart. Um, of course, she was formerly a Fremantle docker in the inaugural season. She was on Carlton's VFLW list last year. She was almost going to walk away from footy. She transferred over to Richmond and apparently is very happy at her new Tiger home. Yeah, and if you want to check out a, a chat that I believe you had with her earlier in the year, it was a very good chat. So uh, if you can go back through the uh, Women's Australian Rules Football Radio podcast and, and find that chat with a kick McCurr shout, um, she, she's a player that does have talent. Uh, she's obviously been at AFLW level, so they spotted something when she was with Fremantle. Played a fairly solid game when I saw her. Uh, I think Carlton were actually playing Richmond at Icon Park when uh, she was part of the Blues lineup last year. Unfortunately, got injured late in the game, but was looking fairly good as a utility. Played a bit up uh, forward, a bit down back. Um, so good to see. At least she's sounding as if she, she's found a, a good home with Richmond. Hopefully she might end up on the AFLW list. Um, has got a fair bit of work to do to be able to do that, but uh, is certainly an exciting talent for them. One name that um, stands out for me, and I'm surprised uh, isn't playing at AFLW level, um, was best and fairest, I believe, at uh, Richmond last year, the captain, Jessica Kennedy. You've got to ask, she's, she's at the age where she's in her prime of uh, why isn't she on a list ripping things up? Cross fingers, um, the Tigers will put her straight onto her li- their list and she'll be starring in AFLW 2020. Well, I can only think, given that she was the skipper last year for the Tigers and looks as though she's been named skipper again this season for them, um, I th- you'd imagine that they've had a quiet word to her to say, don't nominate to, to this year's draft and we'll, we'll put you on our list. Again, it hasn't happened to date, but you'd expect her to end up on the Richmond list considering that they have given her the the captaincy for two years in a row. Looks as though she's uh, had a bit of injury concerns during the off-season. So maybe won't be up and firing in the first few games as she gets a bit of conditioning back under her belt. Um, And the the other interesting aspect with, with Kennedy. She was obviously a star in that midfield last year for the Tigers. Again, another side that was very youthful. Um, hopefully she won't have as much pressure on her shoulders to carry the load this season with uh, a few more of these new recruits coming into the side. Hopefully that she can take a little more of a back seat but still make an impact in this Tigers lineup. And carrying on the theme of playing assistant coaches, Lauren Tessariero, originally from the Eastern Devils, played a couple of seasons at Collingwood. We saw a run around with Richmond VFLW last year. This year, she'll be taking on the playing assistant coaching role. Yeah, good to see that she will be back out on the park. I think she does deserve uh, another crack at AFLW. She certainly got the talent to be able to do that. I know she took the state league season off after the inaugural AFLW season, and I just wonder whether that was a bit of a chink in her armour um, and, and delayed her development compared with the rest of the competition. She was a, a bull again last year, coming through the midfield, all them provide presence up forward when she floated up there. So not surprised to see that she'll be back out on the park this year for the Tigers. 
potentially maybe end up on the AFLW list, but she's obviously pursuing the coaching uh, path as well. So it's nice to see that uh, she will be not only playing, but adding a bit of leadership and guidance to some of the young players out on the park. Let's have a look at Carlton. Uh, they have the bye for the opening round. Three teams have the bye. Williamstown, but of course they'll be playing the GWS Giants, Western Bulldogs and Carlton. As uh, we look at uh, the Carlton Football Club, again being led by Shannon McFerrin, this time with a little bit more time as uh, head coach, opposed to it being on the eve of the season like she was last year. We know um, last year they managed to um, unearth Chloe Dalton and Brooke Walker through the Carlton VFLW program. Uh, this year they're talking up Courtney Bromwich. Yeah, uh, another uh, interesting player um, with uh, a fair, fair bit of backstory coming into the, the side. A 20-year-old uh, played 12 VFLW games um, and has trained with the Gold Coast Suns Academy uh, during uh, the summer by the looks of things um, or has spent time up there. So uh, another year of senior footy. Uh, hopefully she uh, ends up on an AFLW list come the end of the season. Uh, some of the pre-season performers that are standing out include uh, Nicola Burns and uh, Georgia Borg. Yeah, again, a, a couple of names that uh, we, we saw last year uh, play a handful of games uh, with the Carlton side. In fact, uh, sorry, Nicola Burns wasn't involved last season. Um she came across from Norwood by the looks of things, according to vfl.com.au. So be coming out of the back pocket at various stages, the fitness has come up a level this season. So looking forward to seeing how she plays this year. And Georgia Borg, as you said, 21 years old, 12 VFLW games, uh, played in defence last year and has been making big uh big strides in her development. So looking forward to seeing how she goes. And just to do Carlton supporters' heads in, of course, they had to put up with the twins, Sarah and Jess Hocking. There's now another set of twins, Sarah Wright and Gemma Wright. Let's just hope they're not like the Hosking sisters who wear 10 and 20, have their hair done exactly the same way. The only way you can tell them apart is their boots. Uh, Hopefully the Wright sisters uh, can do it right and and change the numbers a little bit more and wear different hairstyles. Although looking at the uh, promotional... Uh, oh no, that's, they're different players, so that's a good sign. And they may have different hairstyles too. So hopefully <laughs> we get to see what they can do, uh, both from Keelor. So uh, another couple of players coming out of the local leagues. Note that uh, Megan Neal, who's a 30-year-old, also coming out of the Keelor Footy Club, will be joining them this uh, season. So there's a few local uh, talented players looking to impress at state league level, which is a positive sign. And finally, for the Western Bulldogs, of course, still in their partnership with the uh, VU Western Spurs. Um, I know to change of coach, Debbie Lee is not coaching the VFLW side this year. Sean Kavanagh has taken over the reins. Yeah, Sean Kavanagh is a name that's well known to us and to the VU Western Spurs has been a, a part of them for a, a very long time. So nice to see that he has been rewarded and no real surprise that uh, Debbie Lee is no longer coaching the VFLW squad uh, side since uh, Nee Felton scared her out of the commentary box uh, when we were up in Ballarat for the AFLW preseason game this year. I think uh, she won't be going near any of the grounds this year when Nee Felton comes walking along. Um, but, but in a way, it's also a, a changing of the guard. Uh, 
say that in tongue in cheek with Debbie Lee. She's a, an experienced footy brain. Um, has been involved with the Melbourne Footy Club and also the uh, Western Bulldogs now for the last couple of years. Just taken more of the operations side of things on. She held that role at Melbourne, got given that role at the Western Bulldogs, so no surprise that she's taken a step back from the, the day-to-day coaching and uh, looking after the more operational perspective of, of things. Sad to see, but uh, as a way of the times, I think you'd uh, say, Pete. Uh, a player that they'll be getting back there at the Western Bulldogs, and I say getting back as a case of she's transferred from Melbourne AFLW to play for the Bulldogs in 2020 through the trade period, but originally she was a Bulldog in a way at a VFLW level because she was a, a VU Western Spur. Ashley Guest will be pulling on the doggies jumper. Yeah, great to see. Great to see. Guest, he was a... Uh, we mentioned Sean before in the coaching role. Guest, he was another one that uh, it was strange uh, not seeing her in in a Bulldogs jumper last year, given that she has had such a close alignment with the VU Western Spurs um, for for a long time as, as one of their key standout players. So nice to see that she's not only returning to the Bulldogs in the AFLW, but uh, coming home, if you like, to to the VU Western Spurs, and will be. Great to add a bit of leadership considering they've lost a little bit uh, the Western Bulldogs in terms of the AFLW talent. We know about Katie Brennan and, and Monique Conti moving on um, and obviously Emma Carney a, a season ago. So nice to see that uh, they've brought someone in who, not the same class in, in terms of getting the spotlight, but a, a very solid, consistent uh, player with leadership qualities. And one of the pre-season performers that we'll be keeping an eye on is Michaelia Ward. Uh, she's been around for a while for the uh, Spurs slash Bulldogs and, of course, looking to get her opportunity at the AFLW level. Yeah, uh, 33 years old. That surprises me. Um, didn't realise that she was that old. Um, but, uh, yes, hopefully she can come back and make an impact. Uh, did have a fairly serious shoulder injury uh, last year, so has been uh, gradually coming back uh, in the rehab uh, on the rehab path. So uh, hopefully we get to see her making an impact early in the year. Well, that concludes our look at club by club for the VFLW 2019 season. Coxie, let's just get your quick fire tips for round one. We begin uh, this Saturday, 11.30 a.m. at Windy Hill. It's the VFLW video stream game, um, Essendon versus the Casey Demons. Yeah, we're expecting the Casey Demons to get the job done in this one. They've got uh, a little more AFLW experience at that club, um, whether that plays or not on the weekend remains to be seen, but you'd expect the Demons to get the job done against a, an Essendon side who doesn't have the same uh, star power um, and is still fairly youthful. So uh, hoping, though, they can be competitive. I know that was one area of the, the game that they weren't last year. They uh, got blown off the park on quite a number of occasions. So hopefully the Bombers can be competitive, but I'm tipping the Casey Demons to win on the weekend. Saturday, 12pm at Punt Road Oval, the Swinburne Centre, Darabin versus Richmond. Yeah, I think the Tigers should get up uh, in this one again, similar vein to the Casey Demons. You'd expect now with a few more AFLW heads around the club, a little more experience on the list that they will get the job done. Darabin, I'm hoping, in a similar vein to Essendon, I'm hoping that they can be competitive, um, but I'm expecting the Tigers to get the job done.
Saturday, 12pm at Downer Oval, the VFLW Invitational Match, Weemstown versus the GWS Giants. This is a toss of the coin for me. Um, we know GWS, AFLW club, they'll have AFLW players, no doubt, playing on the weekend. But they're also going to have some that haven't been a part of the giant system for a long time, and whether that just brings them back a peg. Williamstown almost feel as if they've got a point to prove, given that they have lost a fair bit of talent off that list. Um, I, I, I expect them to get up and about, though. I, I sense that this could be an opportunity for them to get a win, albeit not for premiership points. Um, I'll go the way of the Giants, but uh, that's not a convinced tip. I'll add a little disclaimer to that. Sunday, 11.30am as part of our double header on RSN Carnival 2 at Box Hill City Oval. The reigning premiers Hawthorne versus the NT Thunder. Yeah, I think Hawthorne are going to unfurl their premiership flag and, and win quite comfortably on the weekend. I don't think the Northern Territory Thunder will be able to match them um, just in terms of the quality that they've got in the side. I know the Northern Territory Thunder have still have a fairly handy list, but uh, I think Hawthorne, um, they're going to come bouncing into 2019. For me, they're, they're the flag favourites at the moment, even though they haven't played a game. And finally, 2.30pm Sunday afternoon at Tin Alley Parkville. This game also live on RSN Carnival 2, presented by GoFooty.Live. Melbourne Uni versus Geelong. Yeah, another game that's a bit of a, a toss of the coin for me. Uh, we, we know both sides have uh, some great talent on the list. Again, it remains to be seen who will be selected in those sides. Only because it's at uh, Tin Alley, and it's good to see that Tin Alley is still on the uh, fixture for Melbourne Uni. I'll be going with the home side on the weekend, but if this game was down at Kidinia Park, I'd be going the other way. Just uh, a little unsure about how both of these clubs are going to approach the 2019 season, and I think it will take a few weeks for them to get into a groove and before we really discover what they're going to be doing. Well, Coxie, thanks very much for joining us here at Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to your company this weekend on RSN Carnival 2 as we present three matches of the VFLW. Yeah, I'm going to go sleep for the rest of the week because it's going to be a massive weekend of uh, women's footy on RSN Carnival 2. Looking forward to it. Well, that concludes a bit of an extended edition of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival for yet another week. Just a reminder of our VFL women's coverage coming up this weekend on RSN Carnival 2. Don't forget, scan to RSN Carnival 2. Saturday, 11am, we bring you the VFLW Invitational Match between the Wimps Town Seagulls and GWS Giants at Downer Oval, otherwise known as Point Jellybrand in Williamstown. Then our double header on Sunday, we present from 11am Hawthorne versus the NT Thunder from Box Hill City Oval, followed by Melbourne University and the Geelong Cats. That bounce down is at 2.30pm with pregame from 1.30pm presented by GoFooty.Live. Don't forget this program is available as a podcast by going to iTunes, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio or of course you catch it right here on RSN Carnival Wednesday evenings from 6pm. Until next week I'm Peter Holden, thanks for your company and it's bye for now.